You are listening to the John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk WNRI. Well, folks at 106, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our show, and folks, it's brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. March Madness is underway. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Well, folks, this is the time of year. What a week this is, actually, with March Madness. Tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day and. um and it should be a, a, a raucous time, a St. Patrick's Day on a Friday. Let's get you up to speed. You know, this is, um, let's see. I just want to uh, read this. Fall River's Catholic Bishop joins Boston's Cardinal O'Malley in giving a general dispensation corned beef tomorrow. Bishop Tobin is the only one of the three not doing so. And instead, if you're a Rhode Island Catholic, you're supposed to individually request dispensation. I think that is, um, I, I, I just think that's, I mean, I obviously, I have been a uh, big supporter of uh, Bishop, Bishop Tobin. I obviously like him and respect him, and I like the way that he speaks out. But I think this is, um, I think they're just misguided on that, as a matter of fact. Very, very misguided. So, now what else did I see? Let's see. Banners for the 127th running of the Boston Marathon were hung Thursday in Boston. Boylston, several of the cities. Uh, race will be held Monday, April 17th. 30,000 participants. That's another great event. A little early, though, isn't it? No? Putting those up? Maybe not. This situation regarding the um, okay so March Madness is underway I believe yep okay um, this situation regarding Winsocket I I, I I mean unless I'm missing something and I know that the, that the mayor mayor was I don't want to say defensive but definitely objected to the fact that there is the lawsuit that Attorney General Peter Nerone has brought, I think it's um, I I just think it's it's just unacceptable that that stuff is still being flushed in there. So whoever is in fact, you know, whoever's at fault here, that absolutely should not happen in that manner so instead of now I, I maybe they're disappointed but well we're disappointed in the lawsuit well, why was it happening in the first place governor mckee is not why is he even silent during this whole thing all right i want to play some of let me just check something folks and again okay there we go all right, I want to um, play again the piece on this whole situation. Because when Socket faces lawsuit over the sewage discharge, whoever's responsible for that, it's, I think it begins and ends there. I, I, it just sounds like a lot of excuses. Something like that should never happen. And it, it's pretty dramatic.
I don't think Attorney General Peter Narona came into that lightly and appeared private contractors. Polluting the Blackstone River, partially treated sewage. In 2023, what is this? Totally unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. They're disappointed in the lawsuit. I'm sure they're disappointed they had to bring it. Here's the Channel 12 piece. Let me leaks into the Blackstone River. Attorney General Peter Narona and the DEM have filed a civil complaint against the city of Woonsocket and two private contractors. The complaint stems from their operations of the city's wastewater treatment facility and discharges of partly treated wastewater into the Blackstone River. 12 News reporter Alexandra Leslie joins us now live in Providence after the AG held a news conference at his office a short time ago. Alex? Well, according to that civil complaint filed this afternoon, these intermittent discharges have been recorded since at least November of 2021, and three of those discharges occurred in the last 12 months alone. Wednesday, Rhode Island's Attorney General and Department of Environmental Management filed a civil complaint against the city of Woonsocket, Jacobs Engineering Group, and Sinagro Woonsocket. Because the intermittent discharges of partially treated sewage have gone on long enough. Rhode Island's DEM issued several no-contact advisories for the Blackstone River even as recently as this month when discharges occurred. The wastewater facility's discharge permit requires that all wastewater generated by the facility be fully treated before going into the river. Regulatory action by DEM in the form of letters and non-compliance and other actions have not compelled the city, Sinagro and Jacobs, to solve the problem. A viewer sent us this video of the most recent incident on March 1st. He noticed after running on the bike path when he couldn't help but smell and see that something was wrong. DEM Director Terry Gray says these instances pose a safety issue. And, and for people that are actually depending now on the river for a recreational resource, and in some cases revenue, right? There's field trips, there's tourism that goes on the river. That creates impacts that, that are unacceptable. Now, DEM has kept its no-contact advisory for the Blackstone River in place since March 1st, but Director Terry Gray says they've been tracking compliance and kept it uh, as in place through the end of this week's storm as a precaution, but they plan to end that advisory today. Live in Providence, Alexandra Leslie, 12 News. All right, folks, again, um, that is, I, I know that, excuse me, I know that the mayor is not happy about that. Uh, and the statements that they put out, that they're disappointed with it. But I would just echo, I'm sure the, you know, Peter Narona, the attorney general, and I'm sure they were disappointed that they had to take that type of action. So, you know, this whole business of that, that they're disappointed, it's like get in line. All right, I want to play. This is Kamala Harris on with Stephen Colbert, Vice President Kamala Harris. Here we go. Oh, hold on. Sorry about that. Here we go. But other than that, right here, that right there, that is Vice President Kamala Harris. Let's assume for a moment that President Biden is going to run again. What do you imagine this next election is going to be about? What are going to be the major issues that will define this election? I think it will be, as the president has said, about seeing it through and building on the momentum that we have achieved thus far. I mean, think about it. In only the last two years, we have 
by my estimate, with the bills and the, the legislation that we have passed, we are putting up to $1 trillion on the streets of America on the issue of the climate um, crisis around investment in resilience and adaptation. What we are doing, I know there are a lot of students here, and what we are doing in terms of understanding the importance of reducing greenhouse gas emissions, but also this, this very exciting moment in the world around a new economy we are building, a clean energy economy. And what that means, not only in terms of the jobs we are creating, including American-based manufacturing, but what we rightly are doing to prioritize the importance of clean air and clean water. Okay, well, if, if that is the case, and I know that and it has been example. a priority. That has been, that has yeah. been a, a priority for yeah. the administration. Um, how do you square that with the president having said that there will be no new drilling licenses issued on public land and then approving the the Willow Oil Project in Alaska? People are saying that's breaking a campaign promise. What's the calculus there? Well, I, I understand the concerns that, that, that have been made, but here's the thing. When you look at what our administration has done, it's historic in terms of an investment in a what? clean energy economy. Wrong. We are putting what does that America back on the map globally recognizing that we must live up to our oh role in terms of our ability to invest in the future, create jobs, and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And again, traveling the world, they are watching what we are doing as an example and as a challenge to nations around the world and what can be done to address this issue. I would say that we have been quite bold in terms of the advances that we are making thus far, but we have more to do. But look at, for example, what we're doing around electric vehicles. We have just passed legislation that means that people will get rebates, not only if you buy a new electric vehicle, but, but more importantly, rebates on used electric vehicles. We are investing in the manufacturing of electric buses, electric school buses. We are partnering with the apprenticeship programs, IBW and others, who are tra people training are our workforce to do some of the most advanced work that can border. be done. So there's a lot of good work happening. Was there any discussion in the White House about what the blowback would be for approving the Willow Oil Project? Because people have gotten quite upset about it. I think there's some protesters outside right now. Well, I think that the, the, the concerns are based on what we should all be concerned about. But the, the solutions have to be and include what we are doing in terms of going forward in terms of investments. Um, I'm going to ask you something about being in the executive branch. Huh. Um, are you in the executive branch or are you in the legislative branch as the president of the Senate? Because Mike Pence has said he won't answer the subpoena given to him uh, by the special uh, counsel looking into January 6th and the documents case. Because as the president of the Senate, he's a member of the legislature, therefore separation of powers and the, um, what's it called, the uh, debate, speech and debate clause yes. protects him from that. So you, Vice President Kamala Harris... Are you in the executive branch or are you in the legislative branch? I am in the executive branch. <laughs> Why are they Is it like check one you get to pick when you go in there? <laughs> Is it like pick, pick, pick fish or chicken when you get the job and you just pick the legislative branch? What do you make of that argument? I don't make much of it. Um, <laughs> Um, I think that it, well, listen, it is a fact that as Vice President of the United States, I am also President of the Senate, and has been the case for every Vice President um, before me. So that is a fact. Uh, but this is, without any question, um, the executive branch of government. Okay, good.
We have to take another brief break, but please stick around because Kamala uh, Harris will be here when you return. Folks, again, I um, I stopped watching. Good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 909.9 FM. I stopped. I don't watch that anymore. I used to enjoy David Letterman. I like Jay Leno. I know some people like um, Jimmy Fallon, but uh, the the um, the the amount of politics involved, and they're just they're so smug. I I don't enjoy watching it. So I don't know. Letterman was different. I don't know what it would have been like if Letterman was on during the Trump White House, but I I cannot watch. I mean, just the way they treat her and what world is she living in? Look at what's happening right now between the border, between the banking situation that seems like it potentially could collapse to the actions of Russia and China and inflation. And, And what is she talking about? All right, let's go to 119. Let's go to The View. Who's on? The husband of Mayor Pete. He responds to the joke made by Vice President Pence. Which I, they, see, look how they frame it. The White House called it a homophobic joke made by the Vice President. I didn't think it was, but let's hear Chasten Buttigieg. Respond in the he's a guest on the View. Joke that the former vice president made uh, about your husband, Secretary Buttigieg. We aren't going to repeat it. Um, oh my and The God. White House has slammed the comments as homophobic, which Stop they were, that. in my view, and inappropriate. But Mike Pence's former chief of staff called the response from the White House faux outrage. What was your initial reaction when you heard this? And have you heard anything from the former vice president? Do you, do you even expect to? No. And I, you know, I think it's not woke, uh, you know, to, to say that something is homophobic or misogynistic. It doesn't make no. it woke. You know, it doesn't make you a snowflake to, to tell someone that they've made a mistake. Yeah. And, you know, I spoke up for two reasons. Uh, one, I'm always going to stick up for my family, yeah. especially my kid. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know if you had that picture there of Gus in the hospital, but I know we all struggle to find a balance between work and family life. And I've never seen someone work harder than my husband to find that balance. But I think Republican or Democrat, we can all agree that when your child, our our prematurely born child, Mm -hmm. barely five pounds, when your kid is connected to a ventilator, you don't want to be anywhere but at their bedside. That's where you're going to be. And watching Gus in the hospital, for anyone who has ever experienced having a child uh, in the ICU it's very difficult when their tiny little hand is gripping around your finger you know I, w- I would watch Pete uh, have to peel Gus's fingers back and, and duck into the little bathroom in his room so he could do a zoom oh. uh, with a virtual right. background so nobody would see that he's in the hospital Wow. Uh, you know and the other reason I spoke up is because like I mentioned we all have an obligation to hold people accountable for when they say something wrong, especially when it's misogynistic, especially when it's homophobic. Yes. Uh, and I just don't take that when, it, when it's directed at my family. And I don't yes. think anybody else would, especially when you bring a very small, medically fragile child into it. Oh, and also, these are people who, you know, I, oh, I always get really angry. Drama. Because- 
these folks act like they don't know what it's like to have kids. That they have no idea that, that, that it is not... As you say, we all experience the same stuff when our kids are sick. You got to take care of your kid. But oh this, and also God. this joke is so old. <laughs> st- I mean, it's like so lazy. If you're going to make a joke, at least have your own. Yeah, I mean, I make could come up with own. a couple good jokes about people yeah. judge, but. <laughs> you know. uh, no, but the, the thing is, the, 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 the kids are older now, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I, but we, we haven't moved on from this joke for some people on the other side of the aisle. Uh, But the thing about what he said is it flies in the face of what he says he is. He says he's a family values Republican. And and a faithful one. Yes, so I don't think he's practicing what he preaches here. But it's part of a much bigger trend, I think, attacking families. And it wasn't just about attacking the LGBTQ community because someone wrote this and he checked it and then purposely said maternity leave rather than paternity leave, but also... It's a, it's a bigger conversation about the work that women do in families, right? Taking a swipe at all. Can I just um, interject just for a moment, folks? Just because this thing is, and, and I'll tell you, it's by design right now at 123. 123 on this Thursday, and you're listening to the John DePietro show. And it's the, notice they purposely don't tell you what the, quote, joke was. Because then people could make up their own mind. Mike Pence told a joke, but they, it's not, they make it, well, how bad could it be that they can't even say what it was? That's all done by design. Now, I, I don't think there's audio of the, the Pence, I've read the Pence joke. I read it the other day, and it got a good response. But it's it's the forum and the nature of of how it was told. But they purposely don't say here's what he said, because that that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is not to have a discussion of like, well, gee, how bad you know was the was the joke? Was it you know they 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 purposely don't. Um, say it because they don't want people to judge whether or not it was funny. And and I believe, let me say this, Whoopi Goldberg was frustrated. She retold the joke, says it's not funny, as the audience burst into laughter. And so she gets angry, and that's why they didn't repeat it today, because when they first told it, People laughed. Pete is the only person in human history, meaning Mayor Pete, this was the joke, to have a child and everyone else got postpartum depression. And the audience laughed. So then his husband goes after Mike Pence. And the White House asking him to apologize. Now, listen when Whoopi Goldberg told it and listen to the audience and she gets she gets angry that the audience laughs at the joke Pence claimed transportation secretary Pete Buttigieg did took two months of quote maternity leave during the nationwide airline crisis which makes Pete the only person in human history to have a child and everyone else gets 
postpartum depression. That's the joke. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> now, I, I will point out that this joke wasn't funny when Tucker Carlson did it. It wasn't funny when Lauren Boebert did it. It's just not funny. And why are people laughing? You know why they're laughing? Because it's a joke. If he said it in a mean, vindictive, look at how the way this has been framed now. Look at the way, in their mind, that's it. In their mind, absolutely, it is without question, it was not, it was homophobic for him to tell that joke. Now, Tucker Carlson, this is interesting, he put out this questionnaire They asked every potential 2024 GOP presidential candidate to ask six questions, answer six questions about Ukraine. And then he said, and here's where they stand. I want to play this. This is Tucker Carlson talking about his questionnaire. Presidential candidate announced in potential asking about Ukraine. We posed six questions. Is opposing Russia in Ukraine a vital strategic interest for America? What's our objective in Ukraine and how are we going to know when we've achieved it? What is the limit of money and weapons you'd be willing to send to Zelensky? Have U.S. sanctions been effective? And does the United States face the risk of nuclear war with Russia? It's kind of presumptuous for a cable show to send these, but no one else in the media seemed to be asking them. And we thought we should. The first presidential primaries are 10 months away. Voters should know where their candidates stand on the big issues. And this, in some ways, is the biggest issue. So tonight we're happy to report that virtually everyone we asked responded. Nikki Haley ignored us. John Bolton said he was too busy doing some unspecified thing. But most of the rest of us, them, did get back to us, and we are grateful that they did. In general, the answers were fascinating. Some of them were so thoughtful and so smart, they give you hope for the Republican Party. With only a few exceptions, their answers bore no resemblance at all to the statements you see every day from Mitch McConnell and various Republican committee chairmen in the Congress. Republicans in Washington tend to be committed neocons in the Hillary Clinton mold. But Republicans running for president this cycle generally are not at all. That was a surprise, a refreshing surprise. We had no idea. We didn't know what to think. So we're going to post every response that we got in full on our Twitter account tonight as a public record of where the candidates stand on Ukraine. We hope you will look at them. But first, here's a quick summary of what we received. So former President Donald Trump, who as of tonight is the front runner for the Republican nomination, sent a long and really interesting response. Russia would never have attacked Ukraine if I were president, he writes, not even a small chance. Trump says he opposes regime change in Russia. Quote, we should support regime change in the United States. That's far more important. The Biden administration are the ones who got us into this mess. Trump repeatedly refers to the risk of nuclear war, which he describes as absolutely real. And then he calls for a negotiated peace by Ukraine mediated by the United States. Quote, both sides are weary and ready to make a deal, Trump writes. The meeting should start immediately. There is no time to spare. Death and destruction must end now. Trump has been saying things like this and predicting this for five years now. And he's saying it again. What's interesting, though, is that Trump's former vice president, Mike Pence, who's also running for president this year, opposes his old boss on nearly every point. We're paying the Ukrainians to fight Russia, Pence writes, so we won't have to fight Russians ourselves. Pence endorses even stricter sanctions against Moscow. He dismisses the risk of nuclear war as a, quote, bullying tactic from Putin. And then Pence suggests that anyone who disagrees with his views on Ukraine is a disloyal American. Quote, there is no room for Putin apologists in the Republican Party. 
Mike Pence did not specify who he was talking about, though we suspect this show is included in that treasonous category. And then maybe the most newsworthy response that we received was from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. DeSantis has well-known views on many topics, of course, but until tonight, no one could really say with precision where he stood on the war in Ukraine, which is arguably the most important topic in the world. And now we know. DeSantis is adamantly opposed to the position that most Republicans in Washington have taken on Ukraine. DeSantis is not a neocon. Who knew? Quote, while the U.S. has many vital national interests, DeSantis writes, securing our borders, addressing the crisis of readiness within our military, achieving energy security and independence, and checking the economic, cultural, and military power of the Chinese Communist Party, becoming further entangled in a territorial dispute between Ukraine and Russia is not one of them. Without question, he writes, peace should be the objective. The U.S. should not provide assistance that could require the deployment of American troops or enable Ukraine to engage in offensive operations beyond its borders. F-16s and long-range missiles should therefore be off the table. These moves would risk explicitly drawing the United States into the conflict and drawing us closer to a hot war between the world's two largest nuclear powers. That risk is unacceptable. DeSantis goes on to oppose the policy of regime change in Moscow, which is very popular in Washington, and he points out that the Biden administration has created an alliance between Russia and China, and that's a disaster for the United States. Quote, we cannot prioritize intervention in an escalating foreign war over the defense of our own homeland, especially as tens of thousands of Americans are dying every year from narcotics smuggled across our open border, and our weapons arsenals, critically for our own security, are rapidly being depleted. So that's DeSantis's position, clarified. Vivek Ramaswamy, meanwhile, who you just saw, who announced for president on this show a few weeks back, responded with what was effectively an essay. It was so tightly argued and sharp, it probably should be a Wall Street Journal piece. We hope it becomes one. We can't really do it justice here, but a few short excerpts give you the flavor. Quote, China wants the Ukraine war to last as long as possible to deplete Western military capacity before invading Taiwan. It's working. We think we appear stronger by helping Ukraine, but actually become weaker vis-a-vis China. We've spent 20 years droning people in caves in the Middle East and Central Asia and have little to show for it. We should be taking out the people who have caused the deaths of more than 100,000 Americans every year, the Mexican drug cartels. If I were president right now, I wouldn't limit any further funding or support to Ukraine. Ukraine is not in the top five of American foreign policy priorities right now, and yet merely questioning whether the money we spent on the war is being done effectively or perhaps even prolonging the war is seen as disloyal. We get accused by both Democrats and Republicans of being, quote, Putin sympathizers. The Washington Uniparty and defense contractors want this conflict to go on forever. For the sake of the global economy and peace, we should be doing everything we can to end it tomorrow. End quote. Governor Christy Nome of South Dakota echoed some of these points. The primary external threat to the United States is communist China, she writes. And then she added another point that you rarely hear and not often enough. Quote, the United States has come to rely far too heavily on financial sanctions as a weapon of deterrence. Now the nations that hate America are consciously moving away from the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. Sanctions against China, Iran, and Russia have bolstered the Russian ruble and enabled China to establish trade in Chinese money rather than in U.S. dollars. That is true, provably true. And you wonder why so few in Congress, which passed these sanctions, will acknowledge it. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, meanwhile, was not quite so bold or precise, but in spirit, he seemed to agree with most of the rest of the Republican candidates. Quote, 
President Biden's blank check foreign policy in Ukraine has diverted funding from essential needs in the United States. Throwing money at Ukraine with no accountability or objective is clearly failing. End quote. Once again, we had no idea the candidates felt this way until today. And we're glad they do. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, by the way, did not send a statement, but instead a transcript from a hit he did on Trey Gowdy's weekend show here on Fox. Not many details in it, but Scott did call for, quote, degrading the Russian military. He did not explain what the point of that might be. And finally, Chris Christie is still around and still full of bombast, still a sporty character. In fact, if anything, Christie seems to become even more orthodox as a neocon. He calls on the U.S. military to fight and win a war against both Russia and China simultaneously. Otherwise, he warns, Iran and North Korea could take over the world. All right, so that was Tucker Carlson. Folks, good afternoon. That was Tucker Carlson going through the list of the various individuals. And in many ways, in fact, he is setting the stage that his show is is going to you know it's it's like the 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 road to win the nomination will go through the Tucker Carlson show i believe that's that's how i interpret him going through that whole exercise right now it's 135 on this uh, very pleasant blue sky thursday folks good afternoon you're listening to the John DePietro show it's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our program is brought by It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Stop it and see Marie. Vitamins, herbal remedies. Are you on Menden Road right now in Cumberland? Maybe you're listing AM 1380. Maybe you're on 99.9 FM. You can pop by and see Marie diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Vitamins, herbal remedies, local products, acai, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, hemp and CBD products. It's my health because it's your health. Pop it and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Well, the situation regarding uh, the banking Situation that is still biggest banks to rescue. Goldman is boosting recession odds. Very, very serious. By the way, the Pentagon now has released the video of the Russian fighter jet crash with the drone. Now, let me see what else is making news. Uh, let's see. On this Thursday, day before St. Patrick's Day, uh, um, let's see. What did I see? Um, well, obviously, March Madness underway. So that's a huge deal. And that'll be fun to watch for the next three weeks. That is such a major story. Rhode Island takes legal action against the city of Woonsocket. That is, um, that is not a story to be ignored. And... I think it, I, I just don't understand how anyone would think that it, it, it's almost as if the city is taking and the mayor is taking the the attitude of most of the time, it, the, you know, it's, it's, it's working effectively most of the time. It, it has to be 100% of the time. That is so rare. Attorney General Pino Narona 
in DEM legal action against the operators of the Woodsocket Wastewater Treatment Facility. Civil complaint. Repeatedly dumping untreated sewage in the Blackstone River. And I have heard from many of you that have talked about this. And you were right. Against the city, though, and its contractor, Jacobs Engineering and Baltimore-based Sinagro. It's going on far long enough. The river deserves better than what the city of Woonsocket and the others are providing. So do the people of Woonsocket. I mean, the Blackstone River was a dumping ground. Not anymore. Peter Narona, um, and I want to play some of that. I mean, he here's where I have a problem with is like, so this company, uh, Sinagro, their solution is let's just well, let's just hire an expensive spokesperson to deal with this. That's that's not the solution here. That's not the solution. So Pina Narona, for him to even have to take this action, you know, speaks volumes. And he is the if they underestimate him, they do it at their own peril. I just want to see if um, I thought I had sound of his press briefing, but I might I could be wrong. I could no, I think I do. Maybe I do. He was um, yeah, I do actually. All right. Yeah, let me play a little bit of this, folks. This is good. Attorney General Peter Narona talking about the situation. And then um, here it is. Uh, We'll speak to you today about what we're doing. Uh, Have really provided the basis for what we're doing to Dandy. Also with um, with um, Allison of the Blackstone rip today. So this afternoon... This office and DEM filed a complaint to Providence County Superior Court against the City of Winsocket, Jacobs Engineering uh, Group, Inc., and Sinagro Winsocket, LLC, arising from their operation of the Winsocket Wastewater Treatment Plant in a way that has resulted in the discharge of partially treated sewage into the Blackstone River in violation of the standards and requirements of the plant's Clean Water Act operating permit issued by DEM. The complaint filed by this office and DEM alleges violation by the city, Jacobs, and Sinagro of the Rhode Island Clean Water Act, the state Freshwater, Freshwater Wetlands Act, the state Environmental Rights Act, and the common law of public nuisance as a result of those discharges and failure to meet the permit's conditions. This, com- this complaint is being brought by this office and DEM today. Because the intermittent discharges of partially treated sewage have gone on long enough. The city, Jacobs, and Sinagro have not solved the problem on their own. Regulatory action by DEM in the form of letters and noncompliance and other actions have not compelled the city, Sinagro, and Jacobs to solve the problem. And those efforts by DEM have been substantial as the complaint lays out. 
it has become plain to me that if this office and DEM together do not take the action that we are taking today and potentially other actions that we may take in the future, then this problem will not be solved. The parties have had their chances. DEM has warned them and attempted to work with them for more than a year. Legal action by this office and DEM and Superior Court is now necessary, and we are taking that action today. The Blackstone River flows 48 miles from Worcester, Massachusetts to Pawtucket and then on to Narragansett Bay, finishing its journey to the bay as the Seacock River. Today, the Blackstone River is one of Rhode Island's great natural resources, as my friends to my right certainly know. People recreate along its banks. They swim in it. They canoe and kayak on it. They fish in it. And the riverbank is host to one of Rhode Island's most scenic bike paths. Blackstone River has also played an important role in Rhode Island's history. During the Industrial Revolution, water-powered mills were constructed all along the Blackstone, earning the river the nickname America's Hardest Working River. And yet that hard work came at an environmental cost because of the heavy discharges by those mills of industrial waste into the river. By 1971, Audubon magazine described the Blackstone as one of America's most polluted rivers. The good news is that over the past 50 years, because of requirements imposed by the federal and Rhode Island Clean Water Act, state and local regulations, and the advocacy of environmental protection groups like the ones that are with us today, and others, the water quality of the Blackstone has substantially improved. It is today listed as a Class B1 freshwater waterway, designated as suitable for swimming and other recreational activities. Fish and wildlife should be able to thrive there. The water should be suited for agricultural purposes, among other things. Of course, all of this assumes that those who discharge into the Blackstone River comply with the law and their Clean Water Act discharge permits. And as we allege in the complaint today, the city of Woonsocket, Jacobs, and Sinagro are operating the, the Woonsocket Wastewater Treatment Plant. In doing so, they have failed to protect the river and comply with the terms of their permit. The One Socket Wastewater Treatment Plant treats sewage from that city as well as from North Smithfield and the Massachusetts towns of Bellingham and Blackstone. The city, which owns the plant, has been granted a permit under the Rhode Island Clean Water Act to discharge treated sewage into the Blackstone River. However, that permit sets the environmental standards that that treated sewage must meet before it can be discharged. It is a violation of the law to discharge treated sewage that does not meet the standards of the permit. The Clean Water Act designates DEM as the State Water Pollution Control Agency for purposes of the Act. The law, the applicable rules and regulations, and the requirements of the permit itself are complicated. They are highly technical and are described in full in the complaint. But the bottom line is this. The city's permit required that all wastewater generated by the plant be fully treated before being discharged into the Blackstone River. And too often, the city, Sinagro, and Jacobs have violated that condition of the permit, and consequently, the law. In the course of treating the sewage that comes into the treatment plant from Woonsocket and three other towns that it serves, the plant generates sludge 
Jacobs is responsible for ensuring that all sludge generated by the plant is delivered to the appropriate holding tank or gravity thickener and coordinating the management of the plant sludge handling facilities with Sinagro. Sinagro processes and is required to monitor the levels of all sludge that is generated by the treatment plant. Collectively, the city, Jacobs and Sinagro are all responsible for ensuring that whatever comes out of that wastewater treatment plant complies with the Clean Water Act permit that was issued by DEM. As alleged in the complaint, DEM has sent the city of Winsocket as the owner of the plant and the holder of the permit several letters of non-compliance or failure to comply with the conditions of the permits and the discharges. The full scope of those failures is set forth in the complaint we filed today. Among those failures, as alleged in the complaint, was the discharge of partially treated sewage, which violated the terms of the permit in March of 2022. As a result of testing of that discharge, DEM and the Department of Health issued an advisory warning. All Rhode Islanders against, re against recreating in the river and eating fish caught in the river from the plant to the Slater Mill Dam in Pawtucket. The advisory was lifted four days later. In June of 2022, DEM learned that partially treated sewage was again being discharged by the city, Jacobs, and Sinagra from the plant, and again issued a no-contact advisory for the, for the Blackstone River. The advisory was lifted after 12 days. DEM again determined that the terms of the permit had been violated and issued a notice of noncompliance. In early March of 2023, just this month, DEM learned of another discharge from the plant of partially treated sewage, and again, DEM issued a no-contact advisory for the Blackstone River. Other permit violations are detailed in the complaint, as are efforts by DEM to bring the city, Jacobs, and Sinagro into compliance over the last 12 months. No one can say that DEM has not worked incredibly hard to improve this situation, and yet it has not improved. This office is a law firm. We do not have the technical expertise in-house to sample, test, and determine whether a discharge from a wastewater treatment plant violates a condition of its permit, and therefore the law. And so, as in every such environmental case we bring, here we have been able to rely on DEM's outstanding expertise to make those determinations. In addition, last summer, in our capacity as the state's environmental advocate under Rhode Island statute, we began to try to get answers ourselves as to how these repeated problems were happening. And that included issuing our own civil investigative demands to the city of Woonsocket, Jacobs, and Sinagro in July of 2022, and again in October of 2022. Our joint investigation is now complete. DEM has provided the technical expertise this office needs to bring this lawsuit together. And I am grateful for DEM's expertise, assistance, and partnership. But enough is enough. The Blackstone River was a dumping ground for much of our state's recorded history. A lot of people, including the members of the advocacy groups standing with us today, fought hard to save this river. Their work, their work brought it back so that Rhode Islanders could use it, enjoy its use, and all of the watershed around it. The river deserves better than it is getting from the city of Woonsocket, Sinagro, and Jacobs. So do the people of Rhode Island. And so with that, and with gratitude, I'll turn things over to Director Gray.
Folks, right. listen to that. You're listening to this is the Pina Narona Attorney General press conference taking action against the city of Woonsocket. General Narona. Dumping um, into the Blackstone everybody. River. As the general said, this is a very detailed um, case, and an investigation from both agencies has been going on for quite a while. Um, the, the permits that have been issued to this facility are very detailed. They're very complicated, but they're also very important. The, um, the Blackstone River is one of the state's most amazing resources. As the general said, it has turned from a, uh, a dumping ground into a national park, literally. It runs from Woonsocket all the way down into Narragansett Bay through many of our most um, populated urban communities. Um, people have a raised awareness. They have a lot, of, um, a lot of value to the river right now, and it's turned into an amazing recreational resource. That makes compliance with that permit even more critical. Non-compliance and, and the type of situations like this are, are just not acceptable in, in the current environment. Um, like the general said, we, we've gone through a series of warnings. We've gone through a series of investigations at DEM, and enough is enough. Our partnership with, with the Attorney General's great team here in terms of legal resources makes us much stronger together and allows us to move forward and really compel correction of these violations. We need to get this facility back on track in compliance and, and, and continue the progress that we've made on water quality on the Blackstone River. We have advocates that have been partnered with us on all kinds of efforts on water quality throughout the years. As you've seen, those, those efforts have um, borne amazing results and we can't backslide. And, and compliance with permits and the technical correct operation of these facilities is critical to maintain that progress. So I want to thank the general and, and his amazing team for partnering with us. Um, we are much stronger together when we work on cases like this. They are priority cases for the state of Rhode Island. And, um, and we're looking forward to, to moving forward to resolution and correction of this situation. Thank you. What's the stumbling block? What's the problem? Well, if you're talking about the technical problems, I'm going to let the director try to address that. I think the stumbling block is is there's, there's, this is a complicated facility. There's three entities that are involved. As the general mentioned, it, it's um, the city of Woonsocket. It's, it's a company called Jacobs Environmental. And then there's Cinegro. Um, they have to operate in a synchronized manner. They have to coordinate amongst each other. And they have to comply with the permit. The end result is what comes out the pipe into the river. So all of those entities have to work together effectively to operate this complex in a way that, that results in the right effluent limits. And they have not done that. There's been, there's been upset conditions multiple times. We've worked with them to try and correct the, the, the issues, but it always comes back. It's come back more times than I think um, than we like to see. So like the general said, enough is enough. Can a court enforce them to... I mean, I think, I think, Steve, the, what we're trying to accomplish here is, is uh, as I said to our team the other day, they're, they're, the tab has to start, start running. I mean, there has to be a consequence. I mean, DEM has done everything in its power to assist and help them get to where they need to be. But at some point, they have to know there's a consequence. So the tab has to run. The tab's running today. So the economic violation, I know you're asking me how much, $25,000 per day of the Clean Water Act, 
uh, $10,000 per day under the Freshwater Wetlands Act. Um, and then, of course, injunctive relief is possible. But our goal here is not, uh, well, first of all, let me point out that Jacobs is a very large company based in Dallas. So they are not a company without resources. Let me just, let me just say that right out of the chute. Um, you know, the city of Winsocket, I understand. I've, pl- I've spent plenty of time in Winsocket, and I'm not interested. I know the director is not interested in burdening the taxpayers of Winsocket. Uh, what we are fundamentally trying to do here is get these parties to the table, in front of a court, in a courtroom if necessary, okay, and, and get them to understand that particularly Jacobs and Sinagro, that the tab is running, okay, and there are consequences. You know, I, I, you know, I give DM a lot of credit. They're trying to bring this plan into compliance. They understand that, you know, things happen. But now things continue to happen. And I don't think anybody standing up here is convinced that things won't happen unless we do something that really starts that tab to run. And that's what we're doing today. The tab is running. And so they now know there is a significant consequence if this thing doesn't get fixed. And in my experience over the years, in a lot of contexts, so you give a concept so you give a consequence a real one change doesn't happen and director if i might uh how frustrating is it that this has been going on for a year and like i guess little uh, effect it's amazingly frustrated i mean when we see these type of situations especially with a with with an operator that has the resources that the general spoke about we expect them to step up and fix the problem and, and, and that requires engineering, evaluation, and, and an investment in corrective action. And the fact that that hasn't happened is, is extremely frustrating. And, and forgive me, uh, respectfully, what's going on other than an exchange of letters? Well, I, I think that's one of the things that, that's sort of implicit in, in what we both said uh, this afternoon. A lot of times our investigations are very involved, but they're not apparent. So... Um, the general and his team have been doing a lot of information demands, like he mentioned. Um, that brings back a lot of technical information that then has to be evaluated and considered. Our team... Folks, again, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I wanted people to hear what you heard, uh, just how extensive and the tone of which the attorney general and the DEM felt that they were, you know basically just being ignored. So I recognize now at 156 on this Thursday that I recognize now that, you know, the companies involved and the city seemingly are trying to, you know, respond and play catch up and act as if that you know, I, I think especially that if I if I read it correctly, the response from the city and the mayor was essentially that she that or the city I should say, I'm not saying an individual, but the mayor, that they resented the lawsuit that was brought and you know, went on to say that it was unnecessary and and have to carry the load and blah, blah, blah. But this, um, you know, when you hear the way they map it out, it, I, I, I think they make a pretty compelling case. I think what also can't be ignored here 
is a, Attorney General Peter Narona. He he picks his battles pretty strategically, and he doesn't just you know lightly go into something. So the fact that he's willing to jump in and kind of take the lead like that, I think that's I think that's very telling as a matter of fact. Now I know March Madness is underway. That's gonna take a um a big focus, but I think um right now I I, I don't know exactly why this was happening, but that individual that filmed and showed exactly what was being dumped in. I mean, is is that what it's going to have to take? That regular citizens have to be monitoring and filming? I know that the mayor said the, the city's highly disappointed in the lawsuit and, and talk about trying to do their part, but and, and it, it, it just, it comes off a little bit of passing the blame. And it also, I, I am somewhat surprised. Maybe maybe their city's upset that there wasn't more communication with Peter Narona's office, perhaps. Didn't get a heads up on it. But this business of we're going to vigorously defend the lawsuit, it, what needs to happen is to make sure that those companies aren't allowed to do it. Folks, it's Sean DiPietro. Um, I want you to enjoy this Thursday. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. I will be uh, live streaming later on this day before St. Patrick's Day, St. Patrick's Day Eve. In the meantime, stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. The sun is out. WNRI Winsocket.